Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to this book launch. Uh, my name is Robert Lowe. I am Deputy Director of the LSE Middle East Centre, um, and I also co-convene with my colleague Zainab Kaya Kurdish Study Series. The event will last for an hour. Speaker will present for about 15 to 20 minutes. If you have a question, please type it into the Q&A box at the bottom of the screen and not the chat box. Please put it in the Q&A box and I will direct questions to our speaker. Please note that this event will be recorded uh, and it is also being live streamed on Facebook. If you'd like to tweet about the event, that would be great. Uh, please do so using the hashtag LSE Middle East. Right, that is the housekeeping arrangement. Ruth is a historian focusing on Iran and its ethnic structures from World War II to the present day. His most recent articles include The Roots and the Consequences of the Iranian Revolution, a Kurdish Perspective, and The Duality of Official and Local, Historical and Intellectual Foundations, both published in Middle East Studies. His PhD thesis, I completed in 2019, explored the impact of the modernization of Iran on 20th century Kurdish society. He has taught both undergraduate and postgraduate courses uh, on an introduction to Middle Eastern history and Middle Eastern cultural and literary contexts at the University of St Andrews. He also regularly presents his research on Kurdish and Iranian communities in Europe. Well, Maru, thank you so much for joining us today to launch your book, a very warm welcome, and I hand over to you. Thank you very much, uh, Robert, uh, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. I would like to thank Nadine and Robert for their kindness and arranging this event. Uh, I'm going to talk about two things, uh, and it will last around 15 minutes. Uh, the first one is uh, basically I'm telling you a few words about about the story behind the book, what did motivate me to do research on this subject and publish a book, and uh, also <clears throat> a few words and a few words on the process of the publication of the book. And the second uh, second thing I'm going to talk is uh, basically what's the purpose of the book uh, and what does it contribute to. Uh, the book is based on many years of research including my PhD research on the state-led modernization of Iran and its impact on Kurdish society. I'm going to elaborate a bit on that. Uh, the book is a personal journey uh, turned into a scholarly uh, endeavor. It ends in 1979, as you can see uh, from the title of the book. Uh, it's when the Iranian revolution happened. Around that time, society was changing at a staggering pace Yet you could see a contradiction. Life wasn't improving for everybody. For many, uh, it even got worse. For example, you could see the proliferations of uh, street porters, uh, poor neighbor neighborhoods at the outskirts of uh, the cities, internal migrations, uh, and uh, seasonal work workers, and so on and so forth. And this uh, entered my consciousness and stayed with me uh, ever since. So. Uh, I always try to find answers to uh, many questions around that contradiction. <coughs> and another aspect of life was a political and social movement, which uh, literally didn't spare anyone. But when I entered my uh, academic studies uh, in the UK and I started, started uh, reading uh, books, uh, mainly in English, about Iran and uh, Iranian Kurdistan, uh, despite uh, some exceptions, uh, I was never completely satisfied. And I always uh, thought that uh, uh, we could do better. The research at the bottom of the book uh, uh, attempted to explain a modern paradox of the socioeconomic integration of the course in Iran and uh, on the one hand, and their uh, incessant resistance to the modern state on the other. As research developed, uh, I became even more motivated to publish a book, which could work in many ways as a foundation, uh, if you like, for studies on Iranian Kurdistan, but also for social, social change studies uh, regarding uh, 20th century Iran in general. During my research, uh, 
I benefited from uh, the friendship of a group of uh, scholars uh, around me who encouraged me and commented on my, on my works. Uh, I benefited my uh, great help from supervisors. And how can I forget during the uh, process of the publication of the book, I received fantastic support from uh, the staff at IB Tauris. Uh, they helped me with uh, my book proposal. It wasn't uh, preparing and sending a proposal, a book proposal wasn't like basically waiting for its rejection or acceptance. We exchanged uh, several emails and as a result, my proposal became uh, better and stronger. Uh, the process of reviewing uh, wasn't a nail-biting experience for me. Uh, it was quite interesting. Reviewers' comments were valuable, very valuable and encouraging. The editor was awesome. And what's more, I had uh, two academics available to me during the process in case I needed help. Uh, so as a result, I became uh, more confident uh, about my, my book. And this also uh, the case with maps and figures. Uh, the cover page photo has an interesting story behind it. I was allowed to suggest a photo and I was looking for something which uh, didn't depict a depressed society, but a dynamic one. And uh, finally, uh, just uh, I would like to say something about uh, uh, the literature review. I didn't have to include any literature review in, in the inter introduction of the book. And I understand uh, in many cases or most cases, uh, we have to do some literature review, uh, especially with, when we do uh, a thesis or dissertation. But uh, I personally prefer for the literature to be reflected uh, during the, uh, the discussion, during the analysis of the subject. And uh, it's not, uh, for me, it's not enough to mention a work or acknowledge a work or unlist them, but uh, to engage with those works and uh, uh, basically engage with them during uh, the analysis of the subject. So if uh, any one of you uh, is thinking about publishing your first book and it is relevant to those fields, uh, IB Tauris uh, is, uh, is relevant to IB Tauris. So, or you want to publish another book and looking for another publisher, well, don't look further, get in touch with the fantastic staff at IB Tauris. And this takes me to the purpose of the book. Uh, what is its contribution? Uh, uh, I have to say a few words about the argument of the book uh, to understand its uh, contribution to the, scholar, uh, to the scholarship. The book uh, revolves around the dual process of socioeconomic change and cultural homogenization. You can see, uh, that the title uh, contains the concepts of modernity and modernization. What do they mean? I mean, uh, this dual process of socioeconomic change and cultural change, they represent this uh, modernity and modernization. So the argument is uh, that it is the dialectics or the interactions of these two processes that shape and reshape Kurdish society in modern times. And the focus of the argument periodically is uh, on the period between uh, the Second World War and the 1979 revolution, because it is quite a significant period uh, in Iran's modern history. It is based on uh, previous attempts at reform and uh, attempts at making Iran a better place to live. Uh, it is in this period which uh, uh, modern structures of Iran uh, were built or consolidated. And uh, uh, literally, uh, you can find, if you're looking for the roots of uh, anything in today's Iran, you have to go back and look at that period. And this, I believe, applies to the whole world. Any country of the world you 
uh, choose, uh, uh, you can see that they uh, experienced profound changes during that period since the Second World War. Uh, and this dual process of social change and cultural change uh, helped us understand why while Kurdish society has been integrating, however unequally in modern Iran, it has vigorously resisted the homogenization of culture and identity. And regarding social change and transformation, the book covers uh, several themes such as the social, cultural, and political consequences of the state-led modernization for Kurdistan. And another uh, theme is the modernization of gender relations, which uh, uh, one chapter covers that uh, that topic and it is in itself quite uh, a new attempt at this uh, subject. Regarding a homogenization of culture and identity, the book depicts Kurdish society in Iran in a state of constant resistance. And why is this important for the scholarship? Uh, despite some good works and evidence to the contrary, uh, modern history of Iranian Kurdistan uh, continues to be depicted as the history of a society uh, being uh, in deep slumber and experiencing occasional awakening. Uh, I can, uh, you can find books as uh, recent as 2017, 2018, even by established historians. Therefore, the book challenges that assumption, which is uh, prevalent. So, uh, Regarding the contribution of the book, uh, it hopes it creates a foundation for social change studies relevant to Iran and particularly Iran uh, Kurdish society. For example, if you want to deal uh, with subjects such as the cultural positions of various societies in Iran, uh, we should look at the way the hegemony of the Persian language and culture in Gramscian sense was established during that period. Or uh, for works on gender in uh, the in 21st, 21st century uh, Iran or Iranian Kurdistan, we have to have at the background the expansion of modern ed education and social change and transformation of Iran in the decades preceding the 1979 revolution. And this applies to uh, the subject topics of politics and political parties and so on and so forth. So such a background uh, allows us, allows in-depth analysis of ongoing uh, change in contemporary Iran and Kurdistan. And such subjects, I have to say, they are not local, local history. They, they are not elitist, masculine, or even merely a political ISA, and they should be made central to the studies of Iran. Uh, so owing to the, this uh, thesis of the dual process, uh, process of change, uh, social change and cultural change, the book opens uh, new avenues rather than discovering new dead ends. And what does it mean? The book doesn't mean to provide answers to everything. Uh, it doesn't ask you to read it to become uh, wiser or intellectually more informed. So it uh, contributes to historical awareness. It simply says, if you want answers to many questions, or if you want to ask new questions, you must look at the interactions of uh, those two process of social change and cultural change. So when you read the book, you will start uh, thinking about uh, developing your own ideas about many aspects of life in contemporary, contemporary Iran and Iranian Kurdistan. So the book hopes uh, that it presents uh, a productive argument and a foundation for further studies. And that's uh, basically uh, the contribution uh, of the book. And finally, uh, this spirit of the book uh, is reflected in its conclusions, 
which have two aspects. The first one is uh, it presents a set of new questions uh, regarding social change studies in Iran. And the other aspect of its conclusion is basically culturally, uh, the book's approach uh, to a dominant or a hegemonic culture is not an antagonist one. Uh, it recognizes a common history of all the societies and peoples of Iran. It emphasizes their historical ties. So it calls for engagement with the dominant culture to promote the political, economic, and cultural positions of the Kurds in Iran. So in this way, the book has uh, something to say about, about, uh, about now or the future. And basically, this is uh, uh, what I hope uh, the contribution of the book to the scholarship uh, will be. Uh, I stop talking here and I look forward. I hope this, uh, this was uh, sufficient. Uh, and uh, I look forward to hearing your, uh, your questions or comments. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Okay, hand it back to you, Robert. Thank you. Maru, thank you. Thank you so much. That was a wonderful overview. Um, you covered some very big themes, but in a very succinct and effective way. Um, it was striking to hear you present um, your thoughts on, on the paradox there of the socioeconomic integration alongside this uh, consistent uh, and very vigorous resistance uh, to the modernization process of the, the modernizing state. I was struck by your. Um, comment that um, traditionally many studies have depicted Kurdish society as, as in this deep slumber um, with, with the occasional awakening and, and very refreshing to hear uh, your, your differing analysis on, on that point um, and also that you have uncovered uh, new avenues, uh, opening them up rather than going down dead ends. That's exactly what we want to hear about from you scholarship and that it's providing the foundation for further studies because of course there has been inadequate scholarship uh, on this issue, uh, certainly in comparison to Kurdish communities in other parts um, of the wider region. Um, a book like this is clearly long overdue and an extremely valuable addition to the literature. So thank you for, for the completion of it. Um, great to hear as well. Ivy Taurus are so, so well received. Our colleagues there will be delighted, but Sophie and all the team there do also deserve thanks because uh, we also find them very wonderful and professional to work with. So thank you for putting that forward and posing some thoughts for further discussion. Um, I will move to the Q&A box. Uh, we have a question in uh, from an MEC colleague who I think is currently in Kurdistan, Iraq. I heard this morning, Isabel. Thank you, Isabel, for your question. Um, Isabel Kaiser asks, uh, well, she says, thank you for the great presentation. She's looking forward to reading your book. Can you tell us more about the modernization of gender relations that you mentioned in passing? What did those look like? Um, and was there resistance against it? Would you like to take that one, Maruf, to start? Okay. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Isabel. Uh, the book, uh, one aspect of change was the modernization of gender relations uh, in that period. And the term modernization of gender relations is used against or instead of the term, the emancipation of women. This is this uh, myth about the Pahlavi era, the Pahlavi dynasty who ruled over Iran in that period, that it was a period of secularism and uh, uh, life for women uh, got better. So there were, of course, achievements for women, no doubt about that. And, and gender, uh, women agency was uh, crucial for that, uh, for improving life for women. Uh, in that, if I can say more about that, I mean, it is, uh, it explains the chapter on modernization of gender relations uh, start with uh, this idea that with modernity, uh, the package of modern ideas, uh, it also contain the idea of the new woman. And that's something which were debated uh, vigorously towards the end of the 19th century and uh, during the early 20th century. So the modern state 
one aspect of the modern state was uh, to modernize gender and uh, from a utilitarian point of view perspective, basically to use the force of women to modernize uh, the country. So it was a, a, another cornerstone of the idea of the new, new nation. Based on that understanding, uh, Iran experienced uh, profound changes and there were uh, women uh, movements since the Constitution, constitutional revolution of 1906. And, but specifically after the second world war, we have uh, women uh, organizations across the country. Uh, and modern education is uh, uh, very important in this in this regard. Uh, so I have, uh, I think, uh, as much as I remember, I have pointed out four uh, important aspects. One is the expansion of modern education, medical and scientific changes, and then economic and social changes. These are uh, those aspects of life which uh, basically change the position, uh, the social status of, of, uh, of women. Uh, so the chapter tries to uh, basically analyze this aspect of change and tells about how that uh, change happened and how do, should we understand that, not as basically emancipation of women, but uh, the subjugation of women was modernized uh, despite significant achievements for uh, women in that regard. And uh, concerning uh, Iranian Kurdistan, uh, so this change was uh, uh, tightly connected to change across Iran. And for Iranian Kurdistan, uh, look, when we, uh, we reach 1979, we come across uh, an urban educated uh, woman generation. And thus it tells you about how profound change uh, had been in this regard uh, also. That's uh, basically uh, about, just, I say, fewer about the modernizing gender relation, uh, but uh, what did those, look like and was the resistance against it. Resistance, yes, uh, religious uh, resistance. This is actually a very interesting question because uh, the state, the Shah, uh, there were statesmen who uh, helped uh, many reform to go in favor of women, but the Shah was actually very conservative. Uh, when it came to uh, facing the religious establishment. And for example, the right of vote for women, which was uh, officially recognized in 1963, I think, uh, women had already tried to uh, force that right uh, on the state. So they had even symbolically uh, voted in the previous, in some previous uh, election. So there were various religious uh, uh, reaction uh, against uh, more rights to women. The state, the Shah specifically, was too conservative in, in many ways, uh, but uh, women organizations uh, expanded and they did fantastic work. So that's why I say women agency was uh, crucial for, uh, for those achievements in, in for example, some family laws uh, in uh, workplaces, some rights in workplaces, and, uh, and modern ed education is uh, another aspect. Joining uh, literacy corps and medical corps voluntarily to go to the countryside uh, to improve the lives of women. Those all uh, were done by enthusiastic women, women activists who tried to change life for women. Yes, that's, uh, and resistance uh, from even from men, resistance. Uh, I think I have uh, mentioned that even in middle 
class families, uh, there were resistance to, you know, for women to have a better social uh, status. But uh, more powerful resistance comes from the religious establishment, the Shia religious establishment, and uh, yeah, that uh, I can say about that. Uh, Yes. Thank you, Maruf. That's, that's super. Um, we have another question in from Ekrem Karakoc. Uh, thank you for the presentation. Also looking forward to reading the book. This question is, how has modernization affected Kurdish identity in Iran? What were or are the varieties of Kurdish identities in Iran in the past and today? Political, cultural or assimilated ones? How has Shia Sunni identity affected Kurds and their identity? So. Uh, a few strands there for you, you to pick yeah. up on, Maru. Uh, fantastic uh, questions, <laughs> not necessarily easy to no. answer, but uh, affected Kurdish identity. <clears throat> uh, one aspect of modernization, if I, I try to answer that quickly, is was uh, intellectual transformation. And the, periodically the focus of uh, this uh, study as I said, is uh, between the Second World War and the revolution. Its intellectual transformation was uh, another aspect of change. Uh, I, I have mentioned, uh, I have uh, brought up this concept of modern Kurdiety or modern Kurdishness. And I use this uh, more than uh, nationalism. Uh, a modern Kurdiety, modern Kurdishness is, uh, 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 is the result of this uh, process of social change and cultural change and resistance to homogenization of culture and identity. And it was basically based on a national understanding of self and history, but it uh, basically vigorously resisted uh, attempt this, uh, attempt and state policies to uh, homogenize culture and uh, and identity. Uh, we have the experience of the Kurdish Kurdistan Republic of 1946, and after that, uh, political uh, modernization had political consequences for Iranian Kurdistan. Uh, I have mentioned. Uh, uh, the politics of the states uh, to uh, suppress Kurdish Kurdish identity, but at the same time, uh, there is uh, there is resistance going on after the demise of the republic. There are attempts at uh, basically uh, uh, reorganization and uh, uh, political movements. And we have that throughout uh, the next decades until the end of the 1970s. And we, uh, we will witness uh, the formation of the nucleus of uh, modern Kurdish uh, parties uh, in, in Iran. So these are uh, those aspects of life which uh, uh, shaped uh, Kurdish, which affected Kurdish identity in Iran. And uh, my idea is while this society was integrating, however, uh, unequal in Iran, uh, it was, it became more informed about its identity and uh, resisted the state's uh, attempts at homogenization of culture. And by integrating, because the next part of the question uh, talks about any, uh, and what were the rights of Kurdish identities Iran in the past, the political assimilated one. Uh, this, when I mention, uh, use integration is, uh, I'm referring to uh, historical, social, and even cultural ties between different societies uh, in Iran. So this society became even more, uh, created new bounds or uh, strengthened, uh, its historical ties with other societies, uh, other societies in Iran, and I never have mentioned. Uh, I don't think assimilation uh, is something which applies 
uh, cultural, social, economic integration, yes, it's very tight, has strong ties with, uh, with the rest of Iran, but culturally, uh, uh, I think uh, this is not wrong to say that culturally it uh, uh, adheres to a modern sense of uh, Kurdishness, uh, and that's how modernization and modernity affected Kurdish uh, identity, uh, created uh, a modern uh, sense of uh, Kurdishness. Uh, and the last part, uh, how has Shia Sunni identity affected Kurds and their identity? This is a very important question uh, because in that period we experienced, uh, we come across uh, nativism in Iran and, uh, and the result of that was uh, uh, an Islamic Republic uh, uh, in Iran. Uh, Kurdistan was uh, for several reasons, Kurdistan uh, the, was not affected by this nativism because uh, there are, I have mentioned uh, several uh, reasons for that. <clears throat> because of uh, the majority of the Kurds in Iran are uh, Sunni Muslims. Uh, that's one, uh, one reason which that nativism, that idea of an Islamic government, which was advocated by uh, those who were uh, Shia Muslims, uh, that didn't uh, affect Kurdistan. And this uh, religious identity, mostly the majority were Sunni Muslim. This worked as a barrier for uh, against uh, uh, this nativism, the impact of this kind of movements on, on Kurdistan. But another reason was that this society uh, had been spared from many intellectual uh, developments in the Shia, uh, in the Shia thought since uh, 17th, 18th centuries. But that's another discussion. Another reason for uh, which worked as a barrier was uh, most uh, Kurdish organizations, they were inclined towards a socialist critic of modernization. They cared about basically uh, social structure, class structures and uh, or socialist or if you like progressive organization and that worked uh, against uh, uh, basically prevented, uh, worked against that nativism which was uh, a dominant aspect of life in Iran. Of course, at the margins of Kurdish society in Iran, we have fairly Kurds who are Shia, and, but that's uh, another, uh, another matter. But in general, uh, I think that explanation works for regarding that uh, Shia Sunni identity. Thank you, Marufa. Very comprehensive thoughts on that question. We'll move on, take another question um, from my colleague, Spiros Sophos, yeah. Middle East Center. Thank you, Spiros. He thanks you for your interesting talk. In your book, you reflect on several occasions on the Persianization of the Iranian regions through education, culture, and media. And you suggest that Kurdistan was the locus of cultural resistance to this. Can you comment on the current, si the current situation? in terms of the coexistence, the tensions between and the interactions of Kurdish and mainstream Persian cultures. Uh, Spiros is interested particularly in the linguistic, educational and media fields. Okay. Um, a very interesting question and one which uh, I hope to come up. Uh, <clears throat> yes, if I make it, comparison uh, between what happened in those decades decades before the revolution and what's happening now. Uh, one significant aspect of change was the proliferation of audio, but especially visual means of communication. And without that, uh, uh, probably we cannot understand what happened in that in that in that period, uh, television. Uh, 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 in addition to 
radio broadcasting, television broadcasting uh, expanded, then cinemas uh, as well. Uh, but we don't. We had uh, many uh, uh, Kurdish radio stations, which was uh, run by uh, one was run by by many uh, literary activists, such as Suara Ilkhanizada, which is mentioned in the book, and many others who run uh, Kurdish uh, radio stations in Kermanshah and uh, Tehran. Uh, apart from that, what they they talked about poetry and. Uh, Kurdish culture, uh, but uh, mainly, basically, they repeated what uh, was broadcast on other uh, Persian-speaking uh, channels. There was no uh, journals in Kurdish, uh, and Kurdish wasn't taught at school, it wasn't allowed. Uh, but nowadays, the comparison is that nowadays you see uh, many Kurdish journals published in Iran, but they have to be bilingual. So you have to include uh, Persian articles. And they are constantly under, under pressure uh, from the state. They have financial problems, but they still continue to uh, publish uh, journals and it cannot be compared. We have the University of Kurdistan in Sanandaj, the provincial uh, city, and many other uh, uh, other places, but uh, not at school, which uh, uh, teach Kurdish Kurdish language. But the reason for why we have more uh, uh, more opportunities to uh, to practice Kurdish culture today in Iran in comp comparing to the past is a, it's an interesting one. The reason uh, I have highlighted is basically that it is the boundaries between these uh, uh, coercion and consent, this hegemonic culture. Now, because of resistance, it has to basically re- uh, configure itself and allow some more uh, uh, allow some more rights to be able to exercise its hegemonic hegemonic positions. But uh, the main reason is resistance, and we have more opportunities now. It cannot be compared to uh, to that period uh, after the Second World War. Uh, so I, I I try to be brief. Uh, answering the questions, yes, sorry. But, Thank you, Pamela, very yeah, well. And, and, yeah. We've got a couple more coming, so let's let's move on. Uh, uh, Matteo Cerrone, thank you very much for your question. Matteo, he thanks you for your presentation. Speaking of identity again, how is the teaching of Kurdish culture treated in schools? You've touched on this, but you may wish yeah. to elaborate a little further. And what differences, if any, are there compared to other areas of the territory that have another dominant culture and identity. It may be interesting to reflect on other yeah. ethnic groups in Iran in comparisons when you answer this question too. But readings I've done, I often get a sense yeah. there's an argument, there's a Kurdish exceptionalism, but I wonder what you feel uh, about that in regard to other ethnic groups and non-Persian groups in Iran. Be interesting to hear your thoughts. Thank you. Okay, so that's, that means uh, other ethnic groups in Iran, think, not yeah. Kurds in other regions. Okay, I mean, the situation is uh, almost uh, the same for any ethnic group uh, in Iran, but they have uh, advanced, they have, uh, uh, they have been trying to use the new means of communication for presenting their culture and identity. But it's the same thing, uh, Persian remains the official language of, in education, uh, in administration, uh, no other languages is allowed at school, but uh, Iran is uh, uh, the difference between Iran and Turkey, for example, is that uh, basically the idea of Iran regards Kurdistan as one essential part of uh, itself. So people speak Kurdish freely, ex exercise their culture and everything. But when it comes to uh, school and uh, education, uh, that's the same thing uh, across Iran. Uh, it's not allowed to uh, to, uh, to teach.
Kurdish at school. There was uh, a few years ago a propose, uh, proposal to uh, allow uh, a textbook uh, in primary school, but I don't know what happened to that. Basically, it didn't work. But uh, if even it did, it just uh, basically the state that allows some rights uh, to remain uh, oppressive and hegemony. The same, uh, I don't see any differences between uh, other ethnic minorities in Iran and same situation. Yeah. Thank you, Maruf. And, and we have a question from Jim Muir. Thanks for joining, Jim. Lovely to hear from you. Uh, Jim asks, if one can generalize from your experience, do Iranian Kurds see themselves mainly or entirely in an Iranian context, or is there enough interaction with Iraqi and Turkish Kurds for that to generate any kind of social or cultural change among the Iranian Kurds? Or does that come purely from Tehran and Iran? Uh, he's thinking in social terms rather than political, KDPI, etc. Yes, uh, 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 modern Kurdish society in Iran, uh, I have explained in the book uh, how it has, uh, this social change has strengthened or created new bonds uh, between this society and other societies in Iran, but they uh, preserve their, uh, uh, their a connection to other uh, other Kurdish societies uh, in other in other countries. So they have that uh, commonality with with others. So no doubt about that. And uh, socially, nowadays or it's been for a at least couple of decades, it's easier for them to interact with with other other societies around them. This wasn't the case before obviously uh, i have to look at interaction uh, well the interaction uh, i believe is uh, socially is uh, is more restricted uh, i don't expect uh, that much but it's more political basically is because of uh, the political parties, uh, the interactions between political parties. It's more, it's more political than social. However, uh, Iranian Kurdistan and Iraqi Kurdistan, they, they interact uh, more closely because, uh, because of proximity and uh, it's easier to travel between these two, between these to regions. Yes, I think we can, uh, as I uh, think more about this question, we can think about more <clears throat> social and cultural interaction between these societies, but uh, uh, I, I'm thinking more between Iranian and Iraqi Kurdistan rather than other parts uh, of Kurdistan in other, other regions. Thank you, Maruf. Um, I have a couple of questions which I will now sneak in because we have none others in the chat box. Um, I wonder if you could comment on um, more recent demonstrations, protests, arrests, which have happened in Iranian Kurdistan. Uh, in the context of your research and your book, do you see those as a continuation of this consistent resistance or do you detect anything distinctive um, about what's happened in the last five years, for example, and perhaps reflect on um, current circumstances that would be very interesting. It's a very important question. Uh, yes, in many ways, it's a continuation of resistance. Uh, and one thing which is missed uh, about this region, and when I say that uh, usually uh, Iranian Kurdistan is depicted in slumber, uh, in slumber, in, it's, it's say that it's a, uh, the society is uh, in dormant. Uh, but that's wrong, it's a wrong, uh, wrong view uh, of the situation. Uh, how it is, uh, is it a continuation of resistance? Look after the 1979 revolution, and this is mentioned, only mentioned in the, uh, in the conclusion that uh, we have uh, after the militarization of Kurdistan in 
1980s, the spring of 1980, we have armed struggle for, for the entire decade of the 1980s. And after that, uh, uh, when we are approaching 2000, 1997, 1997 was the presidential election and the reformists, reformists won in that election, Iran uh, became more open. Well, that, that's another uh, discussion. But then what I want to say is that uh, the, a new phenomena is the expansion of civil society movements in Iranian Kurdistan. And that's been uh, arguably the main characteristic of Iranian Kurdistan in the last two decades. And the reason that uh, many say that there is no uh, active armed struggle in Iranian Kurdistan, and that's an indication of being in dormant and no resistance in Iranian Kurdistan, but that's wrong because uh, we have a new phenomena and it's expanding and the civil society movement. And during the last two decades, we have had many demonstrations, even general strikes. General strike has become a, a very effective way to uh, challenge the regime. The regime can't do anything about that. It cannot arrest that much people because people close their shop, they don't open it. Uh, and uh, it has, uh, it has happened in many occasions, so it's still people use that uh, that tactic and demonstration along with uh, Iran uh, in the last four or five years, we had a huge demonstration against uh, living cost against uh, for many other things. Uh, in Kurdistan, the situation is, uh, is a little bit uh, different because the regime, uh, is able to use force uh, more, uh, more than it can in other parts of Iran. Also, many people were killed in other cities of Iran uh, during the previous uh, demonstration. But in Iran, that's, uh, the regime can, uh, can kill more easily than in other places of Iran. And that may affect uh, the, the size of demonstration and uh, the kind of uh, protest which takes place in Iranian Kurdistan. Yes, it is a uh, continuation of resistance, but uh, probably this is a positive sign that we have the expansion of civil society movements. And I would like to hear comments and ideas about that. It's not a negative thing to have the armed struggle becoming uh, less active, which it, it is another discussion why, what's the reasons behind that. Probably this is a positive science for uh, Iranian Kurdistan to have uh, more stronger civil society, civil-based movements. Uh, yeah, I hope I answered Yes, thank question. you, Maru. Yeah. Very, very comprehensive. If anyone else has a question, please do type it in the Q&A box now. Um, we'll wrap up shortly, so do please put it in. Um, in the meantime, um, I wonder, Maruf, you mentioned that you chose a dynamic picture. I think your cover image for the book. Is that what you meant in your presentation? I'm just looking up, there's this lovely image of the schoolgirls. Do you want to say a little bit more about it? Oh, yes. Uh, this is, uh, there are lots of uh, photographs of uh, that period, uh, the 19, specifically in the 90s. The picture is, uh, the schoolgirls uh, in Nahid Primary School in the city of Sartes, uh, where I was born. Uh, and uh, uh, people, there is a site or Instagram account and they uh, publish this, uh, they post this kind of uh, photographs. I got in touch with uh, a friend and they, uh, they could find uh, the owner of the photo and she kindly allowed us to use uh, that photo uh, for the cover uh, page of the book. It shows, yes, it shows the expansion of modern education. It shows girls, it shows women movement. It's not basically a history of, uh, uh, only a history of men. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is, it's 
society in changing, a society which uh, desires uh, uh, new things. And you can see in that picture determination. You can see many aspects of change. Uh, you can see a woman uh, movement, the expansion of modern education. Uh, yeah, and when uh, this is, uh, and when we come to the 1979 revolution and you see a huge uh, woman uh, movement becomes uh, a, social, a strong, formidable social force in Iranian Kurdistan, in, in Iran, across Iran in general, but in Iranian Kurdistan uh, in particular, and they represent, uh, they represent new ideas and uh, they force change and they uh, impacted the Kurdish society uh, profoundly. So yeah, that's the, uh, yeah, some kind, something like that. I can, that's, it's, uh, it's a powerful yeah. image. It, it looks, yeah. it and Ekrem does another quick question, which we can squeeze in about social media. How does it affect the use of Kurdish language or political discourse? Would you like to take that too? Yes, uh, uh, new means of communication have been uh, very effective. People now, uh, their language skills has improved considerably. People are more interested in uh, learning Kurdish because uh, usually in Iranian Kurdistan, uh, those who can write uh, in Kurdish, uh, they are well, they done self-study, uh, through self-study. Uh, then uh, they, they have become aware of other accents, other dialects of uh, the, the Kurdish language. Uh, yeah, the effect of social media has been has been huge. Uh, yes. Thank you. Um, no further questions in the box. I, th I think we'll move to wrap up. Um, it's been a wonderful presentation, and thank you for handling so many questions um, with such skill and, and detail. Um, the book, The Formation of Modern Kurdish Society in Iran, was published in December of last year um, by Abi Torres, as we said. So do look it up, but do encourage you to get hold of it. It is out only in hardback at the moment. So if you have, if you're in a university, please encourage your, your library to get a copy. Uh, that will help. It also help it move to paperback, which would be excellent. Um, I think to conclude, Murray, if you, 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 you mentioned, um, this forms the foundation for future studies. Um, I and I think others on the on the event would be very interested to hear what research you are now undertaking and what you're planning to do. How are you going to build in this? Uh, what avenues are you following next? Uh, a very good question. Uh, <laughs> Your pressure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what happened after the 1979 revolution? That's uh, some topics regarding. Uh, since the 1979 revolution, but uh, my interest, uh, I'm still, uh, I focus, continue to focus on that period between the Second World War and the revolution. Uh, yeah, for, so yeah, I've been working on some topics, uh, which, uh, yeah, hopefully something, uh, something comes out of it. We'll look forward to reading your next okay. book or, or, or journal article or whatever it may be. Well, thank you so much. We'll, we'll wrap up the event now. Um, it's been great to have you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to the audience and uh, for joining and for your questions. Um, and most of all, thank you to Maruf Kabi for your wonderful presentation um, and answers to the questions. Thank you, everyone. Um, it's been a pleasure. And we look forward to seeing you at another Middle East Centre event soon. Thank you, Maruf. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.